and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute and your host for this episode. Today, I am extremely excited to have with us Joy McCaffrey, who is a product manager at Least Query. And uh, I love having practitioners on who are out in the field practicing, you know, kind of living the practice of product management. We're also familiar with us. I think you guys give such great insights uh, for our listeners. So I'm extremely, extremely excited to have you here, Joy. Great. Thank you. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. All right, Joy, uh, one of the things I like to do at the beginning of the podcast is just to give our listeners a little bit of context. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and then Lease Query and what the role of product manager means there. Sure. So uh, I've been in product management for a pretty long time, um, over 20 years. I received my pragmatic certification probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, so I've been involved with Pragmatic uh, very much. I'm also a member of the Pragmatic alumni community. And um, my current company, as you mentioned, is Lease Query. We offer a software solution for accountants, specifically for leases. So in the accounting world, and I do not have an accounting background, um, but in the accounting world, apparently there's some new uh, standards that have been implemented by the government where now public, private, and government companies have to account for all of their leases um, on their schedules. And as I mentioned, I'm not an accountant, but fortunately my company does uh, hire um, and employ many accountants that we consider our subject matter experts, so I can turn to them quite a bit. Um, Lease Query was formed about 10 years ago, but just in the last two years, it's grown from about 50 to, I think, 300 employees. Um, so there's a great market. The CEO and founder definitely saw a product market fit. We're growing our product management team. And so at Lease Query, um, we have a product manager for the lease accounting uh, part of the software. And then we have um, a product manager specifically for all of our integrations, a product manager for lease entry. And as pretty much kind of the, the newest. Um, product manager. It'll be a year for me in April. Ever since I started, I have been doing market discovery so far for four different products. Um, you know, the company sees that lease accounting, while we were the first to um, really provide a software that's specific to the lease accounting um, issue, um, you know, there's other competitors out there. And as we want to grow, we want to add to the product line. So that's been my job to um, do the research for those uh, potential add-ons to our product line. 
Great. And you know, you know, here at Pragmatic, we are very passionate about market research uh, and what we like to call the Nahito visits and really understanding the market. And so I think that's a great place for us to sort of uh, double click on with you and some of the of the practices that you've created and some of the lessons you've learned here, I think would be really, really great. So start kind of big picture. What makes a good interview in your mind? And you're like, oh, that was a great interview. What are some of the characteristics of that? So for me, I have what I call an interview library, which is a fancy term for a spreadsheet that has probably about 100 interview questions that I've been keeping track of for many, many years. It's on my Google Drive. Um, it's a Google Sheet. So I've taken it from company to company to company. And basically, anytime I see something in the uh, pragmatic alumni community, you know, the, the channel or a webinar or an article or, uh, you know, just in everyday conversation. If I hear a conversation, um, a, a question that I think I can use in an interview, I keep track of that in my interview library. So it's grown quite a bit over the years. And for each question, I also categorize it. You know, is this an exploratory question? Is this a question relating to an existing product? Is this a question about our company? Um, and then of course, at any company that I'm working at, I share it with the other product managers and anybody else really who is interviewing customers so that you can just access it and kind of scroll through and kind of formulate your questions based on the intent of the interview. So if it's a company and you're just trying to get feedback, or if it's an interview and you're just trying to get feedback on the existing product, then, you know, you can scroll through, you can filter for just product. If you're doing, you know, like a win-loss and, and maybe you want company-specific interview questions like, you know, um, what is our reputation out in the industry or how did the sales process align with your expectations, you know, were all of your questions answered? I mean, those, those types of questions, those are in there as well. Um, I definitely have a script beforehand. Um, so what I'll do is I'll have, um, we, we're a Google shop. So I have a Google talk that I call um, the interview um, uh, guide. And so I have multiple monitors and I'll have that up on one monitor and then I'll copy, I'll make a copy of that and I'll have all of those questions, but the answers beneath it. So I can very easily look at the monitor, um, look at the question and then kind of at the bottom of that document type out um, the answer to that question. Um, and then good interviews are people who answer with more than just a monosyllabic uh, answer, like yes or no, or eh. Um, I get a lot of those, unfortunately. Um, so that's what I consider um, a good interview where they, they answer your question and then they um, just keep talking and just start answering other questions that you have that you haven't even gotten to or that you haven't even thought of. Those are great interviews. Yeah. So one of the things we talk about in our courses, and, and I am sure in your, uh, which I think sounds really fancy at interview library, there are questions like this, like we talk about the type of question and, and the information right. it will, you know, uh, uh, solicit, right? Like the, what color shirt are you wearing? Right. 
versus what made you choose that shirt? Right. Those right. are the two questions, very, very different. Uh, what do you think some of those open-ended questions to try to avoid the no yeses of which we all still get? What are, do you have some favorite questions that you like to do? I do. Um, depending on the type of interview, um, you know, I've been on webinars where they say, oh, I cap my questions at five. And that may be good for an exploratory, but uh, a lot of the market research that I'm doing, I have to get quantitative responses. So, you know, if I ask them, what are you using right now? And they always answer. Um, they don't always know what they're paying if they're a user, but you know, they'll, they'll tell me what they're using. They'll tell me if they like it, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, how many years they've been using it. Have they used any other solutions? So, um, you know, the yes, no is good for me because then when I report back to the senior leadership team, I can very easily say, you know, 40% of um, our current customers answered that they are using this, uh, you know, capability for this purpose. Um, so very, very direct questions. Um, in the interview library, I just have a combination of quantitative and qualitative questions. And when I ask them, I start out with the easy quantitative and then the qualitative answers. And the qualitative, while good, what I've found that I struggle with uh, is interpreting those. So if I've done 25 interviews, I have 25 different sheets, 25 different uh, responses. And what I do is I have one Excel spreadsheet, well, actually Google sheet. Um, that's a summary of all those responses. And again, you know, the quantitative is easily. So each row is a different customer and each column is a different question. When I get to the qualitative, what I end up doing is I'll add a column and I'll try and figure out the trend. Like, um, you know, is what feature are they talking about? Uh, what capability, what pain point, um, that type of thing. And especially at the company that I'm at now, because it's software for accounting, I've had to hold workshops where I've had other accountants, um, you know, I schedule a call with two other accountants and we review all of the qualitative answers and they have to tell me, oh, they're talking about reconciliations here. Oh, they're talking about being able to manage dates. Oh, they're talking, cause I don't, I don't know. Um, so while qualitative is great, there's also the struggle of what are they talking about? What am I getting out of this? Um, you know, for one of the products that I'm researching now, I'm reviewing them with accountants and they're like, yeah, 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 these are all basic features. Like you've asked for what are the important features? What can't you live without? Uh, you know, if you had a wish list, what functionality would you add? And, and the accountants are like, yeah, we, we know this. Like we could have told you that. So now I'm thinking, well, how am I going to present this to the senior leadership team that I've managed, that I've interviewed 25 people and basically, you know, it's just same old, same old is basic accounting. And um, they're very happy with what they're using. They're satisfied. And here's all the, you know, the products that they're using. So uh, that was kind of a long-winded question. Hope that answered that for you. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I think one of the, so several things there that are really interesting. We've been talking a lot as we make our, uh, create our new insight course about that sort of taking qualitative and turning it into quantitative, right? And how do you, how do you find the trends and tag them and be able to do that? So that's always a fun topic. Uh, but another thing that, that I think is really common in this research uh, area is not just the kind of questions I should ask, but how do I get how to get people to ask those questions too. And when you and I talked previously, you had some great hints and, and about both finding in uh, existing customers that would be willing to talk to you and how do we reach and find those, you know, elusive uh, potentials as we call them to talk to you. So we talk a little bit about that and how you sort of get the people, uh, recruit them for the interviews. Right. So I always try to get existing customers and what I just call non-customer interviews. And, I'll just talk to the, the company that I work at right now. Um, we have channel partners that resell our product or act as referral partners. And so they offer great insights. Um, those are definitely different questions, um, but I'm able to interview our channel partners and say, well, what do you think about the potential for, you know, one of the products I was researching was for the equity method of accounting. How many of your customers you know, have you heard mention that? How many of your customers use it? You know, do you know what they're paying for it? Do you know what they're using? I mean, they they can have some great feedback as well. So if you have channel partners, that's a great um, tool to use. We also have a customer advisory board. And, um, you know, if it fits into your schedule, because I think we only talk to our customer advisory board um, once a quarter. Although the members of the customer advisory board at this company really like us. I don't know if that was deliberate, if they only chose customers that like this, um, but they've been open to, you know, outside of the regularly scheduled quarterly meeting, I've reached out to them and they've agreed to do calls uh, with me. We also use a tool called User IQ that is uh, built into our software. And every time you log in, it's a simple, sometimes we use it for like, um, tool tips, release notes, kind of information, but you can, it can also be a survey. Um, so I've been able to gather some great internal information from our existing user base. Um, just for example, so we're lease accounting, as I mentioned, software. And um, our CEO asked, well, should we be adding lease management to our software. So it wouldn't be the accountants, it would be, you know, other departments, but we'd already have the leases in our software because we're, you know, doing the financials, the accountants, the accounting, should we manage it? So to do the internal customer uh, interviews, I started out with user IQ and I said, uh, do you use, cause we have a little bit of lease management functionality built in you know, kind of went hand in hand. Um, not real robust, but, you know, we have it. So I, I asked, do you use our, our lease management capabilities? And when I was setting it up with, um, you know, the person in the operations department, I said, here's the question. Yes, no. And then as an afterthought, I added what lease management capabilities? I mean, I don't know what kind of mood I was in when I, when I added that, but so it went live, it's up for a week, it always pops up and you either have to X out or you have to answer it. And we have like 2000 companies 
Um, but, you know, obviously each company has many users or can have more than one user. And um, 50% of the respondents said, what lease management capabilities? And I realized with horror, how am I going to present that to the senior leadership team? Like it could be snarky, like what leaders, what lease management capabilities, or they're just not even aware of the lease management capabilities in the software that they're currently using. Um, so that was mind, uh, you know, that was really eye-opening. And so I followed it up. Then the next question, I was a little bit more direct. Um, please rate the importance of lease management to your organization on a scale of one to 10. And 46% of the respondents gave it a 10 and 80% gave it seven and above. So with those two questions, I could respond back to the leadership team and show them the pie chart and say, this is a slice of our existing customers. And this is what they think of how important it is and kind of what they think of our capabilities currently. And here's kind of a cross-reference, a correlation between who said it was really high and who said, you know, what lease management capabilities. And, and so now how are we going to address that? And do we want to? Um, based on those responses as well. So for anybody who said, yes, I, you know, I do use your, your lease management capabilities. As a matter of fact, we have HubSpot. So we did an email campaign. Um, you know, we created a, a segment within HubSpot just for the emails of the respondents that said yes to see if they would do a phone call. Um, so that's how I was able to get, you know, more qualitative information from them. Um, we also use Salesforce. And so any of our customer success team, um, any of our sales reps, our implementation team, they can enter product requests into Salesforce. We have a custom field specifically for product request note. Uh, we also have a monthly newsletter that we send out and I've used that. Um, I just put a blurb in there saying, hey, would you open, you know, would you be open to a call regarding such and such? And, you know, here's a link to my Calendly uh, link to my uh, calendar. And so through all of those, I've gotten great responses with customers. And it's always been easier for me talking to customers because they're your customers. They're already aware of you. They're already aware of your product. You know how to get in touch with them. I mean, even if you just have Salesforce, you can just start doing emails through Salesforce. To do non-customers, that's been trickier. With my existing company, I've been very lucky. I got approval for a budget to use user interviews. It's userinterviews.com. And basically you create your survey in userinterviews.com uh, looking for people who would be willing to do a phone call. So like for user interviews, you know, and by survey, I mean like the clarifying questions, are you an accountant? If yes, you're cleared. If no, then you're not a fit. Um, and then I would ask, you know, do you do lease accounting or fixed assets or equity method um, to further qualify them? User interviews, we pay 140 
uh, an interview because they're accountants, um, because it's business rather than consumers. So we pay a little bit more, but it's, it's fairly um, affordable. We also use a company called GuidePoint, which is really expensive. We got access to GuidePoint through one of our investors. And as part of their investment in us, they gave us 10 free interviews through GuidePoint. Um, each interview with that company's discount, like they have some kind of crazy discount, um, once we started paying for them is $1,000 an interview. Now, the difference with GuidePoint is that GuidePoint, they're hooking me up with like SVPs, CFOs, CEOs, VPs, C, you know, chief accounting officers of like Fortune 500 companies. So when I was on those calls, I invited uh, accountants, you know, my subject matter experts, somebody from UIUX, and we got as much information from those people as possible, including what are your thoughts on this market? What would you pay? What do people currently pay? Um, for user interviews, they're users. So it's, you know, it's different, different types of questions. And I really appreciate that I'm able to do this to get non-customer interviews because in the past, I've had to reach out through LinkedIn. I've had to ask existing employees if they knew anybody. I had to ask for referrals. I, I looked for like um, authors of blog posts or podcasts or articles and tried, you know, reaching out to them. It was, it was very difficult and it was very salesy. And that was a little bit outside of my comfort zone because I don't want to be in sales. Um, so those are the different methods and kind of the tools that I've used for customer and non-customer interviews. Right. Just a, uh, one question for the uh, user interview and the guide point interviews is it what's the time slot that you get with those half an hour half an hour so yeah you gotta make that half an hour pack but you know again if you can have a few even a, a 10 five even really qualitative yeah conversations with people that are really outside your network um yeah. those can be powerful that's great yeah all right one more thing i kind of touched a little bit about on it um was like research is really important, but also it's really frustrating as a product person. And many people listening here will understand this. Like you have the research, you have such a great idea of what should happen, but you're not convincing. That's not quite the right word, but right. The powers to be of that. And part of that is the way that we then share out our research, right? We can't have them listen. They're not going to listen to 20 hours of recorded phone calls or go through the spreadsheet with all the details, but we've got to give them enough where it feels both quantitatively uh, sufficient and powerful enough, but qualitatively enough to move them. So what are some of the, the tricks you do in, in kind of doing the readout with your stakeholders on your research? Right, so I um, present with uh, you know PowerPoint or Google Slides. And what I've learned is that, and product managers, we've heard this all the time, uh, product management, product marketing, you need to tell a story. So in the past as a newbie or as a beginner, I would do like present, you know, slide, you know, a title slide. And then slide two would be uh, the title of the slide would be question one <laughs> and what the question was. And then the next slide would be question two. And that's what, you know, the question was. And 
uh, I've gotten feedback and I've gotten better to make it to make it more storytelling. So rather than say, you know, question one, do you use our lease management capabilities? You can put like a large title in large font, um, you know, uh, you know, whatever the number was, 60% of current users are not aware of our lease management capabilities. And then, you know, have the pie chart below that. And then as I show that, I do a segue to the next one. I say, well, now you're probably wondering, well, you know, they're not aware of it, but is it important? Well, I'm glad you asked. And then go on to the next slide and say, um, 80% of our existing users find it to be uh, of high importance. And so I use the slides to tell a story to explain how important this, this functionality is. Not just because I think so, obviously, Nahito. Um, but, you know, this is what they're telling me. And even with the customer interviews, you know, what I struggled with is it was a lot more open-ended. You know, the people who said, yes, we use lease management. I was like, great. So I scheduled these interviews and I basically said, so how do you use us? for lease management. And then when it was all said and done, I was like, what did I get from these, these customers? I don't, I'm not even sure, like I can look up their profile and I can see how they use the software and what features. Um, but I had to kind of go back and say, well, this is, uh, they all agreed that this is what they like, that this is their important features. And this is where um, this is what they didn't like. And so comparing this to, um, you know, the, the user IQ surveys and comparing this to the responses of the non-customer interviews, here is, you know, the, um, the, the trend among all of these different responses through user IQ, through customer interviews, through non-customer interviews, they all agree this is important, um, this is a pain point, and um, you know this is this is what we need to improve on. Great. All right, Joy, we talked about a lot of different things today. Uh, all good things. All about my favorite topic, market research, uh, and some good hints in terms of questions and keeping track of good questions because good questions are kind of good questions. Mm -hmm even as you move company to company um, and uh, the tools you could use to kind of get people as well as how you share out. If you were to sum it up, you're going to have people do two things differently starting tomorrow based on what we talked about today. Two like big takeaways that you would tell your fellow product managers, what would that be? I would say have a script going in beforehand because even if it's open-ended, think about the results. If it's open-ended, how are you going to tie all this together? How are you going to present this? What are you trying to get out of it, good or bad, that will help or hinder? I mean, maybe the thing that you think is great isn't. Um, so definitely have a script. I think that's such a good one, too, because like open-ended is not the same as unplanned. Right. 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 And I think that's a really good, good lesson for them. That's a great one. Right. And think about as you're getting the feedback, how am I going to present this? How is this going to come across? How is this helping or hindering 
you know, the possibility of implementing this feature or this product. Joy, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you today and hearing your experience and your perspective on market research. I appreciate the time. Thank you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.